It's good to be God's people together. Amen. So now that I've learned about Matthew chapter 6, can I preach about it for about seven or eight minutes? Is that okay? I think that more than any, (laughs) Sherry says we should take a bow. Y'all like our little drama? What Amy was reading in Matthew chapter 6 is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Lord willing, after Easter, our series that will begin in Lent and after Easter, we're going to go through the Sermon on the Mount verse by verse and take us through the summer. But all you need to know now is that the Sermon on the Mount is a blueprint for kingdom living. It's a way of living that calls us heart, soul, and everything into alignment with God's vision for a life well lived under his rule and reign in his kingdom. It's a blueprint for kingdom living. But it's not just that. As we read in Matthew chapter 6, it's also a critique of the empty religious kind of living that was rampant in Jesus' day. Did y'all hear that word hypocrite? It's a famous word that's all around us in our culture today. But it was almost surely used first by Jesus in a moral sense. Hypocrite is someone who wears a mask, who is fake. And in Jesus' day, we had all kinds of people who would love to go up to the temple and drop huge sums of money so that the offering baskets would clang with all of those coins so that people would take notice. But before we throw them under the bus in Jesus' day, we have to ask ourselves with our motives in why we give what we give. Today is the first weekend of Lent, and we're asking you to cheerfully and humbly commit to give toward $3,000 goal of helping to offset the cost of some renovations that's happening in the rock. But we have to check our motives whether or not we want to be seen as to how much we give. We need to check our motives to see are we giving out of obligation because we asked you to. Are we giving because it's just something we're supposed to do? What Jesus is getting at in this blueprint for kingdom living is does our heart match our hands in the way that we give? Then we have the example of the hypocrite prayer. The one who stands on the street corners to be puffed up and seen and heard and noticed. And before we throw that ancient prayer under the bus, we consider the ways in which we share on social media or share in our small groups or share in our own spaces around our tables and our communities. And the way that we can carefully craft our image as somebody who's got it together, spiritually speaking. We need to remember that Jesus not only gave us an example of how we ought to pray with the Lord's Prayer, did y'all see that he says, when you pray, pray this. Obviously, we have a whole book of prayers in the middle of our Bible called the Psalms, and it doesn't mean just to pray those words. What it means is getting to the core of allowing our heart to match our mouth. 
So whether it's in giving, are we aligning our hearts with our hands? Whether it's in praying, are we aligning our heart with our words? But ultimately, he gives us that third example of the faster, the one who wants to look the part, the one who wants to go around and begs you to ask them what you gave up for Lent so that they could tell you just how spiritual they are. But before we throw the ancient faster under the bus, let's consider our own motives and hearts. I love that Lent has become a practice that is observed here in the neighborhood church, even though we don't come from a Roman Catholic tradition in which we see most of this giving, praying, and fasting. But I also want us to always understand that why we do what we do matters. And that if you are fasting, if you are putting something off, I do hope that it's not just as a challenge or some physical goal for you to obtain. I do hope you're putting something off, you're fasting from something, in order that you may more fully engage and feast on God. That's what fasting's about. And I need you to understand this in this season. Whether you're giving, praying, or fasting, you will almost certainly fail to live up to your own performance. I think Jesus understands that when we substitute a relationship with God with an empty religious way of giving, praying, fasting, spending time in solitude, all good things, but when we forget God and make people our audience, do we make our own expectations our motivation? What happens is we have this way of getting us to earn what God has already given us in Christ. I need you to understand that what Jesus is doing is not rejecting these tried and true practices of giving, praying, and fasting. Did you notice that each one of these that Amy read, he said, when you, when you, when you, You need to understand that we're entering into this season to give, to pray, to fast, because these are the tried and true ways of kingdom living that get us in the ground so that God can do what we can't, and that is transform us and our world. But you need to understand that we don't do those things to get God to pay attention. We do those things so that we can more fully live into the relationship and partnership with God that's already available to us in Jesus Christ. Jesus is not rejecting these tried and true practices. He didn't say, when you fast, you know what, just forget it. You know what, when you pray, you know what, just forget it. No, he's reminding us what's most important. He's reminding us of their purposes so that God can transform us and our world because we were made for relationship with God and partnership in his work to renew all things. But you need to understand that when you give, you may not give as much as you want to give. And that when you pray, you may not pray how and as often as you want. Take heart because St. Paul says in Romans that we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit groans and intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. So take heart. When you fail, you're not alone. When you fast, and y'all were only like four or five days into Lent, and if you've already blown it, take heart. God has not turned his back on you. He's still faithful to you. But the problem with religion 
The problem when we turn our audience into those around us or our own expectations and not God is we begin to try to perform waiting for God to get back on our side. And it made me think of this. Have y'all seen this show? Let me see a picture. Are y'all familiar with this? So I want to close by reminding you of The Voice. I have not seen this show so much. The only times I've seen this show are in what's called the blind auditions. Do you know what I'm talking about with the blind auditions? So imagine with me that those chairs are filled with four celebrity singing judges. They're celebrity singers. They've got their back to the audience. Excuse me. They've got their back to the performer. So they call them blind auditions because someone's sitting on that stage and they're singing their heart out. And so they call them blind because they don't want their appearance, their stage presence to sway their opinion. They want just the voice to so move them that they hit that button and then what happens? The chair spins around so dramatically and everybody freaks out, yay, because Blake Shelton turned around because that voice was so powerful. It so moved him that he was able to turn around. I told you I've only seen the episodes where they're doing the blind auditions, and those are wonderful times when Gwen Stefani turns around and they're like, I want you to be on my team. But have you seen the ones where no one turns around? It's so awkward is what Lynette says, because it is. And what do they do? Do they stop? No, they keep singing. And they sing harder and harder. And sometimes they start to cry because they realize they've only got 20 seconds of song left. And John Legend ain't moved to turn around. And so they sing and their, their voice starts to shake. And they're wobbling and there's tears streaming down. And no one turns around. And my fear is that you could go 40 days or 40 years singing your heart out, dancing, singing, giving, praying, fasting, serving, showing up, being faithful, coming to church, doing all the things, and in your heart of hearts, you're doing all of this because you're longing for God to turn around because you hit the magic combination of making him feel good about you. And let me tell you this. Here's the gospel. God has already turned his chair toward you. We must remember that you could sing, you could dance, you could give everything you have, you could do it all, but understand that you could never get up to your full potential of what God created you to be. You could never earn or give or fast your way into heaven. But take heart, God has turned his chair toward us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against us. And he's imploring us to be reconciled to God. There's a big difference in saying that Jesus on the cross changed God's heart toward the world versus inviting us to the cross so that our hearts might be changed toward God. God has thrown wide the invitation so that 
whosoever will may come and find life and life in the name of Jesus. God has turned his chair toward humanity and said, come, come and find rest and life and life to the fullest. If you give, when you give, do so to more fully receive what God has already given to you in Jesus Christ as he transforms you into a giver more and more. When you pray, pray to more fully connect to, hear from, listen to the way and will of God who has called you, set you apart, and affirmed you and filled you with the Holy Spirit so that you can go and partner with him in the renewal of all things. Know that he's already turned his chair for you. He's already extended an invitation to join his team, to be in partnership with him. You need just live it. When you fast, do so because you get so distracted by the trivial things of this world and redeem that time you would be engaging with food or media or whatever that is so that you can more fully feast on the one who has given his all to you. He's attentive to you. He sees you. As Isaiah says, he's longing to be gracious to you. He was just waiting for you to put the dang phone down. Do so not to earn God's favor. Do so to live and experience what's already been given. This is the challenge and the call of Lent. So why do we give and pray and fast? So that we can more fully experience God's love, transformation, and power in our lives and in our world. And for you children who've not yet fully said yes to Jesus, know that God loves you and his chair is turned towards you. And that someday the Holy Spirit will call you and he will uh, call your heart to say yes to Jesus. And you'll know when it's time. And until then, in our church, we're teaching you the way of Jesus. Before you ever become an official disciple, we're trying to disciple you in the way and rhythm of life. Trusting that God loves you and he's inviting you into life with him. And until then, know that God is with us and he's calling us to more fully experience our relationship and partnership with him in this season. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, thank you for an opportunity to be reminded from your son Jesus of why we do what we do and that these tried and true practices from our brothers and sisters for generations and generations are given to us so that we may fully live into this kingdom that you have called us to as your sons and daughters and citizens on the way toward you making all things new. Until that day, would you meet us with your mercy and your grace and would you guide us and grow us more and more into the image of Christ, our Savior. It is in his name and for his sake that we pray. Amen. Now, if you would please rise and we'll receive the benediction. God of mystery, we journey with Jesus during this Lenten season with a certain hope that you will recreate our world so that all people will live in peace and justice. Call us out of the wilderness of apathy and help us to reach out to those 
who do not know hope or love. Hear the longings of our hearts and the cries of those who yearn to live in peace and justice. Let Easter burst into the world, waiting to be recreated. Amen. Go in peace. <laughs>